Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church Lagos. We hope this sermon answers the doubts or questions that you have about the Gospel, its relevance to your life, and the ever-evolving culture around us. Our vision is to see the City of Lagos and beyond renewed by the Gospel, and to make that happen, we need your support. You can do this by rating this podcast, following us, and giving through the Give tab on our website, citychurchlagos.com. Thank you for your generosity. We pray this sermon impacts you positively with the gospel. Good morning, church. I'll be bringing the Bible reading for today, and I'd like to ask that when I'm done, a Bible reading for today is taken from Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13, and it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Olive. Uh Ah. <laughs> he said that one is finer. Who is doing competition? Ah. Oh, this uncle. Eh? This, this, uh, I can't get used to it. I'm feeling love in this house. Morning, everybody. Yes, yes. How are we all doing this morning? Are we, we doing good? We are? Are we? Are we, are we feeling cold? Are we feeling cold? You are feeling cold. Uh, yeah. You know this is coming, Abby. I'm not feeling cold. I have my companion. And, I, you know, I just thought to tell you guys a little bit about it last week, but I didn't know that, you know, some people really got interested. And so some people are so, where's Dickie Faye? Where is she? Uh-huh. So she asked, she said, she asked me, she wanted to know what I'm drinking um, this morning. So I'll just oblige her. This, this one is, um, it's New York breakfast tea. Yeah, it's New York breakfast tea. So it's, it's, it's still normal, like, black tea, but it has a bit of uh, cinnamon and vanilla, you know, so it's, it sort of wakes you up to the, the New York, you know, like a, a, a Sting song, I'm, an, I'm a Nigerian in New York, <laughs> this one will do for you, apparently it's perfect with um, pancakes, but we, are, we don't have pancakes this morning, uh, and you know what also goes with pancakes, honey. Honey, but even though we don't have honey here, the word of God is sweeter than honeycomb. <laughs> you like that? So we're going to go into the word of God. Yeah, that was good. Just give me a round of applause. I feel good myself. If you didn't clap for me, I will have clapped for myself. All right, but if you are coming here for the first time, we're so happy to have you around. And yes, we want to go into the word of God. And the word of God, we've been going through a series in prayer. It's, um, and honestly, there are fewer more important things you can do than to commune with God and to talk to God and also to experience him speak back to you, not just in his word, but in the time when you speak with him. One of the things that we said is that when you look at that model prayer that Olive read for us, you would see that there are different forms of prayer and that's what we've been going through. And so the last two weeks we've spoken about communing with God, but we've also spoken about adoring God. And if you notice in those kinds of prayers that the focus is really on God himself. 
And we are not going away from that. Today we are going to look at another form of prayer that is focused on God. It's appreciation, otherwise known as thanksgiving. You see, I said this in the first sermon, that appreciation and um, adoration are very similar. They are similar, but they are sort of different. They're both focused on the hallowed be your name part. The hallowed be your name part. But when you, when you say hallowed be your name, you are praising God, but you are praising God in two dimensions. The first dimension is in adoration. You are praising God for his nature, but with appreciation, you are praising God for his deeds. You are praising God for he, who he is, adoration, but you are praising God for what he's done, appreciation. Well, you know, we're thinking about that. Thanksgiving has fallen on very difficult times. Prayer of thanksgiving has fallen on very difficult times. Why do I say that? If you think about it, the prayer of thanksgiving is probably the earliest form of prayer that we know how to pray. Probably the first one that we first learn how to pray. I'll give you an example, for instance. When we bless our food, when we pray for our food, right? Now, the problem why I say it's falling on hard times is, how do you pray for your food? Right? By the time some of us were going up, it had become so bad, all we just say is, bless the Lord in Jesus' name. You, you know, bless the Lord in Jesus' name. But now it became, it wasn't a sentence, it now became a word. Bless the Lord in Jesus' name. But some of you have, it's even gotten worse, I have noticed, because I've been with you when you pray. You think it's a mathematical equation? Plus Jesus minus Satan. Prayer equals what? I've been around some of you when you are praying some of these kinds of prayers. And let me tell you, I don't eat the food that you pray. Because that food is not blessed. I bless it my own self. But notice how we say it. We say bless. Let's, someone should bless the food. We bless it, but we've not yet thanked God for it. I imagine that when God wanted us to pray for our food... It, it will be something like this kind of prayer. Happy, please pray. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I need every head bow. <laughs> the devil thought he had me. Ah, but a <laughs> Father God, Lord Jesus. The creator of heaven and the earth. We come before you right now. Somebody calls a burning bear. Somebody calls a heavy load tear. Somebody calls you a wheel in the middle of a wheel. But I'd like to call you the creator of all things right now. For you put a leaf on a limb and a limb on a branch and a branch on a tree and the tree on some roots and the roots in the dirt and the dirt in a hole and the hole in the ground and the green grass grew all around and around the green grass grew all around you now I want to thank you for chicken thank God for chicken didn't have to do it but it did Game too late, too far, too breathless, too wild. Hot sauce on it. And I can hear that chicken tonight, Lord, as he offer up a sacrifice of praise. I believe I can fry. Grab a 
I know that in some ways that thing may seem funny, but when you think about it, it's more, I think, reflective of the biblical way that God wants us to pray for our food. If you don't believe me, look at Psalm 147. I want to read five verses there. Psalm 147 says this, that praise the Lord. It says how good it is to sing praises to our God. It's not just good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant. It's pleasant and it's fitting. It is good, it is pleasant, and it is fitting to praise God. Why? Verse 8. He covers the sky with clouds. And then those clouds supply the earth with rain and makes the grass grow on the hills. Why is that important? Because the grass that is on the field leads to something else. Verse 9, he provides food for the cattle and the young ravens when they call. In other words, your steak really on your plate has everything to do with God because that steak will not be there if the cattle doesn't feed on the grass. If the grass doesn't grow, it doesn't feed on it. If the rains don't pour, it doesn't grow. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So when you are thanking God for your tenderloin, for your T-bone, for your saloin, for your filet mignon, for your brisket, you're thanking him for rain that allows it to come down and for them to eat the grass. Or there's another one in verses 13 and 14. He says this, he strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses the people within you. What is he trying to say? It's providing you security by strengthening the bars of your gates. And it is within security he starts to bless people with the knowledge of farming. And so he grants peace to your borders. And when he grants peace to your borders, he satisfies you not just with wheat, but with the fineness of wheat. And so your pasta, your cakes, your pancakes, all the things that wheat supply is saying that you give thanks to the Lord. It is fitting. It is good. It is pleasant to give praise to him. Because God is involved in the entire value chain that comes with having food on your table. He is the one that gives security. He is the one that provides the farmers. He is the one that gives us the knowledge to do these things. The logistics, the supply chain, every single thing. Even the cooking. Even the money that provides the food on the table. So that's why he says when you come into God's presence, even though adoration is important, even though communion is important, you enter into God's presence. Not with those things. You know how you enter into God's presence? Psalm 100 verse 4. He says enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Oh, I feel like singing here this morning. There's an old song we used to sing those days. I'm sure some of you will help me. He says this, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my mouth. Oh, I will enter his courts with praise. What will you say? I will say this is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me Let's take it one more time. Let's show our gladness to know I will enter his gate with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his court with praise. 
I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. As he made you glad, he has made me glad. Oh, I am so glad. I will rejoice for he has made me Hallelujah. He has made me glad. Oh, I, I am so glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. We enter into God's court and his praise and his gates with joy in our hearts. Joy may have been stolen from us and therefore we are not able to give thanks to God. But God says this morning, I will restore someone's joy so that we can enter his presence in the way we are meant to enter with praise, with thanksgiving. And so what we are going to do this morning is learn how to joyfully appreciate God and practice joyful appreciation of God together. Why? Because appreciation is prayer. At its happiest. Hallelujah. Who feels joy in the house today? Amen, amen. But before we do that, let's say, talk about a few things. Let's first talk about the bad side of it. You see, maybe I should illustrate with this story. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This is a turning point in the book of Luke. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Luke 9.51, it says that he's now on his way to Jerusalem. But on his way to Jerusalem, he has to pass through different regions. So, Jesus lives in Galilee, up here on the north. And after that, you have Samaria. And after that, you have Judea. Judea is where Jerusalem is. So, he's now coming from Galilee to Samaria. Now, he's on the border. And on that border, he encounters, he, he has an interesting encounter with some people. So, let me read from Luke 17, verses 12 to 9. We'll just read some of the verses there. It says, as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They, that's the men, they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And he did. So what then happened was they were healed. Now one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Then something, keep going. Jesus asked, when were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner, this Samaritan? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I'm going to say a few things about this, but the first thing I want to point out is that last verse. He says, your faith has made you well. Because he came back to give thanks. If I may deduce from that, do you know what that means? It means that when we are not giving God thanks, we are not well. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope we are well. We shall see. You see, thanksgiving, we think sometimes is a very trivial thing. But can I tell you that giving thanks is a deep barometer on the health of our soul. In the first sermon, our adoration, we spoke about Romans chapter 1, where we said that God's judgment, eternal judgment is justified in that though he has revealed himself in the world, that people do not glorify him as God. They don't adore him as God. And so his eternal judgment is justified. But there's one more thing. Let's read it. Romans 1 verse 21. Romans 1 21 says, For although they knew him 
the new God, they neither glorified him as God. So that's why they don't adore God. That's why the judgment is justified. But there's one more thing. What does it say? Nor gave him thanks. As a result, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Turn to your neighbor, the other neighbor, and say, I hope I am well. Ah, yes, I hope we are. Because ingratitude is a very dangerous thing. Let me tell you two reasons why it's dangerous. Remember, Jesus said, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one turned to give praise to God? Two reasons is, ingratitude is a giver dismisser, and ingratitude is a joy killer. It's a giver dismisser. He says, has no one returned to praise God? In other words, Thanksgiving always involves a return. Somebody has taken out of their time, out of themselves, to positively impact you. The normal order of things is that in the first meeting when you made the request, there has to be a second meeting where you return to give thanks. Sometimes we return to give thanks, not for the request that was granted, but for a request that was not granted, a request that wasn't made, but yet well, you are giving something. Are you following what I'm saying? But when you don't thank someone who did all of these things for you, who positively impacted you, you see, you are not just devaluing the impact of that thing that was made in your life. You are also disregarding or dismissing the person. In other words, when you wanted it, you were telling the person how important they are. That's when all their jokes become funny. The moment you got what you wanted from them, you all of a sudden forgot them. In other words, you didn't really value them. You valued what it is you could get from them. Ingratitude always makes us personify objects and objectify persons. What you really want is their thing, not them. And so when you apply this to God... When we ask God for things, because when with people, what we are doing is that we are taking dignity away from them. The dignity or the honor that was due them based on what they did for you. When you apply to God, it's not just honor you are taking away from him. You are taking his glory. They did not glorify him as God. When we don't thank God, you know what we are? We are thieves only. Thief, glory thieves. And it's in relation to this that ingratitude breeds entitlement where we think that we deserve what it is that has been given to us. A few years ago, there was someone who, by God's grace, we'd helped as a church a few times. And a few times we helped, you know, generously and all of those things. And a time came when the person wanted something for church to help them with. And we didn't grant it because we didn't think it was the right thing to do. Actually, the person became angry. Stop coming to church, talking to people about, say, now wow. You see what happened there is that at some point, or maybe even at the very beginning, even if they could have been saying thank you, it didn't come from their hearts because they really did believe that they deserved it. Because the person like, I made this request. All the giving that has been given to church, all the money that church has, we should, I should have some of it now. Entitlement is now being bred. And guess what? When you are entitled, your return 
does not come with thanksgiving. Your return comes with another request. And isn't this the way we approach God many times? When we want to pray, all we do is request another thing, request another thing. We don't stop to pause and think about, you know that other one that you re I requested and you've granted to me? We've moved on. God, okay. we almost say that God is checking the list. And we keep coming back over and over again. Jesus says, no, when you enter with thanksgiving, it stops you. You say, the first thing I must do is to hallow his name by praising him for what he has done. The second thing is that entitlement is a joy killer. How many of us want to know the will of God for our lives? Uh -huh. The rest of you don't want to know. Or okay, you already know. Now, if you don't know the will of God for your life, let me tell you the will of God for your life. Very simple, right? Free of charge. Every other thing I do is not free of charge. But this one, I'll give it to you. Bonus. It's three things, three related things. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. This is what it says. It says, rejoice, pray, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me break it down a little bit. Do you know what this means? If you meet somebody that is perpetually joyful, all right, if you meet someone that is perpetually joyful, it's because they pray a lot. And they pray a lot because their heart is full of gratitude. They give thanks a lot. The converse is true. If you meet somebody that is perpetually miserable, you can bet that that person hardly prays. And that person hardly prays because those people are actually ingrates. You see, why this is important is because there's something that ingratitude does. Ingratitude, and please don't miss this. It is a very dangerous but very successful thing that ingratitude does. Ingratitude specializes in altering our perception of reality, but not reality itself. Should I say it again? Ingratitude it specializes in altering our perception of reality, but not the reality itself. Here's what ingratitude makes you do. It makes you ignore many of the good things that are going on in your life and focuses your mind on what's not going well. This is the way it captures our heart and darkens our heart. Give me Romans 1 verse 21 again. Romans 1 verse 21 says, when they did not give God thanks, you know what happened to them? It says their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. It starts to distort your perception of reality. So what it does by focusing on what isn't going well and ignoring what, uh, sorry, by focusing on what's not going well and ignoring what is going well, you know what it does? It magnifies your world of problems and diminishes your world of blessings. It doesn't, in fact, let me say, it magnifies your perception of your world of problems and diminishes the perception of your world of blessings. My wife and I had a friend a few years ago. That friend was always miserable. Very miserable, like very, very miserable. But one day was her birthday, so we called her. And we said, ah, let's, let's just talk, let's just wish her happy birthday. So we called her, Omo. it didn't take 10 seconds, she started moping again. Talking about this one not going on. That auntie, it's your birthday now. Uh, she was, you know, we are talking about um, a Samaritan, a good Samaritan. She, she wasn't a very good Samaritan. She was a vibe killer. That Samaritan. If you know what it is, you know what it is. I'm not, I'm not going there. Just, sh 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 sh. where she was. 
So she kept on moping, moping. We're like, ah, Auntie, now don't kill our joy now. So we now try, we now say, okay, let's shock her out of it. Ah, let's just shock her. Let's go nuclear. We now said, is there not one thing, one thing that you are thankful to God for? So that at least her brain will reset. She paused. Five seconds. She said, nothing. Oh, she's not my friend again, no. No, no, no. I don't want somebody to, I pray for her. I love her. She's my sister in Christ. She's not my friend again. But do you see what had happened? We knew things that were going on well for her. She couldn't see it. I said, I'm not, we're not close to her again. But even some years later when I found out about her, I thought she's doing well in business, everything. But she's still very miserable. This is what ingratitude does. Because you are not recalling any of the things that happened well for you. God is blessing you, but you still are just looking at the problems that are in your front of you. I am not saying here that there are not people here that don't have difficulties. We all have difficulties in our life. What I'm saying is that as you are going through these difficulties, can you open your eyes to see what God is doing? There is a world of blessing. In case you don't understand what I'm saying, maybe I should help you here. And maybe contrast a few things. You may not have your dream home, but you are not homeless. You may have, have you may be having financial difficulties, but you are not bankrupt. You may be owing more money than you have, but you still have a functioning brain that will enable you to make more. You may be childless, but you are married. Your marriage may not be happy, but you are not childless. You may be single, but you are a fulfilled single who is not unhappily married. You may not be 100% physically, but you are not permanently hospitalized. You may be hospitalized, but you are not dead. You may be mentally unhealthy, but you've not lost hope. You may be losing hope, but you have others who have not lost hope in you. Don't allow ingratitude to distort your perception of reality. It is true that we may be going through difficulties, but God has not left us alone. There is always a reason to praise him. And so what do you do so that your joy is not being killed? Pray continually with thanksgiving in all circumstances and you will snap back to a true perception of reality. But let me just say also that thanksgiving has benefits. Now before I tell you benefits of thanksgiving, let me quickly say this, a caution and warning. You don't give thanks to get the benefits. If you try to give thanks so that you can get the benefits, you are not giving thanks, you are a manipulator. And even though it may work with men, it will never work with God, so don't try it. You see, the reason why we have benefits, the benefits prove that thanksgiving is the right thing to do, but it should never be the cause of thanksgiving. You already have a cause for thanksgiving, the request that was granted before. Don't now try to use it for another one. No, that's manipulation. But having said that, because of time, let me give you one. And it's really from Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7. Where it says, rejoice, well, leave it, let me just start with a story. Someone called me, no, no, someone called me a few, um, a few months ago. And that person called to complain about things that were going on in their life. So they were having problems with their spouse and the spouse's parents, right? Somebody say, ah, not today, right? Somebody say, not today. Uh -huh. No, it never happens to me, but I'm sure some of you, right? But this person was frustrated the way they were behaving, but there was something deeper. The person was actually anxious. You see, they were planning an event together, but the way they were behaving was causing the person to be angry. But the person later confessed to me that it wasn't just that. That this particular event was triggering memories of something, a traumatic event that had happened in their past. So they were anxious, even though it seemed like it was just anger. So I told the person, you know what? I told the person a few things. I told them, do a few things for me now. I said, this is your spouse and your spouse's parents. 
they've been good to you in the past, haven't they? I said, ah, yeah, yeah. I said, tell me some of the things. The person started to recall this, recall that, recall that, recall that, recall that. As the person was doing that, the person started smiling and all that. So I said, okay, now let's pray. Pray. Just pray about this situation. Pray. As the person was praying, the person was saying, whole Lord come and could see clearly. And when the person finished praying, I now gave the person some advice. But now the person was calm enough and clear enough to see what, to receive what I was giving. What was going on there? Let me explain and break down to you. You see, the anxiety had made her focus. Her anxiety had made her focus on the trauma of the trauma of the past. And when you focus on the trauma of the past, you know what you do? You project that trauma into the future. So on account of what had happened in the past, she started thinking something like that will happen in the future. This is a normal way of human behavior. And so when she's thinking about the past in a bad way, you know what she's also saying? She's saying, I don't remember God. I don't remember Jesus being in the past. So she's now becoming more anxious because she cannot think about Jesus in the future. I gave you a definition a few sermons ago, not in this one, but in another series, about what anxiety is. Maybe I should repeat it. Here's one definition of anxiety. Anxiety is imagining a future without Jesus in it. So what had happened was that she had thought about her future, her, her past, without Jesus in it. She had reflected on that, and now she was projecting Jesus without her, with, uh, not having Jesus in her future. So what I decided to do was to enter into that framework of thinking and subvert it from within. How? By telling her to recall all the things that these people were doing for her that was good, she could also see that it wasn't just those people, it was God, it was Jesus that was with her. And and so when she could see that Jesus was always with her in the past, she could now project the Jesus that she had left behind. She could project that Jesus into the future. And once that starts to happen, the anxiety goes down. She becomes calm. Let, now let me read Philippians 4 verse 4 to, uh, 5. To, say, say, uh, go to verse 5. He says this in verse 5. He says, the Lord is near. Now it, once you start seeing Jesus in your past and you see Jesus in your future, all of a sudden you start to feel Jesus in your present. The Lord is near. And on account of that, go to verse 6. It then says, therefore, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation. So that's why I told her to now pray. To now give petitions. With thanksgiving, you can now present your request to God. And something magical happens there. You know what happens? Verse 7. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will now guard your heart and your mind in what? Christ Jesus. Without thanksgiving, their foolish hearts became what darkened and futile. Now, futility gives way for purpose. Darkness gives way for light. Jesus comes in and now you can sing clearer. All because of thanksgiving. When you recall what God has done in the past, you are able to project him into your future. Now, because of time, I will have given some other ones. Maybe I'll give them later. Because I want us to pray with thanksgiving today. But let me just say the prayer of gratitude. How? When and how? When do we give gratitude and how do we do it? Well, the when. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Right? Remember all the continuous things. He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Then he now says, give thanks when in in all circumstances. In other words, it means in good times and bad times. Now, in good times, it seems very obvious. But because it seems very obvious, we can actually miss it. 
You see, what happens is that we start getting so used to the goodness of God, the fatherhood of God, that you start to begin to arrogantly believe that you should get it. We start thinking, hey, it's expected. Giving thanks in all good circumstances reminds you that you don't deserve any of God's goodness. I remember when I was growing up, my parents used to do something that I thought was funny. Whenever they come back home, you know what they do? Hardly even talk to us. Just go. Go to their room. Go to the bed. Kneel down and start thanking God. Why? Thanking God that they came back home. Now, why were they thanking God that they came back home? It was a return. You see, in the morning, they had gone to God and said, God, I am going out today. May I come back home? So now they've come back home. Hasn't anybody returned to give thanks to God? And you see, many of us just think, like today you came here, and I wish I was doing as good as them. I'm still growing. I'm, I'm not so, this I'm preaching to myself. But do you know, you go out, and you just think coming back is easy. Let me tell you something. Don't think it's because people are sensible. We already know people are not sensible on Lagos Road, right? Many of you are not, right? But God is helping you. Now, but, but it's not. But it's not just that. It's not just because you can horn. It's not. My wife's aunt, her closest aunt, on this Lekki Expressway, the driver was driving out, on Lekki Expressway, if there's enough distance between them and the, front, and, the, and the car in front, they are not trying to overtake the car on the right. Nobody's trying to overtake them. They are going good speed. You know what happens next? On the other side of an express, a car loses control. It somersaults into their own and totally wrecks their car. Only God saved their life. Whenever you go out and you come back, let me tell you, there was a God that was on your side, that was watching over you, that was preventing your food not to be moved. You must go back and give him thanks. In good circumstances, you have food on your table. Don't just bless the food. Thank God for the food. That your children went and they came back. That you went to the hospital and you came back. Or give thanks to God in all circumstances. Not just in all circumstances, in all good circumstances, but also in the bad times. You see, the good times demonstrates our genuine surprise, your genuine surprise that God still does all these things for you. But you see, maybe the more difficult one is rejoicing, having joy. And then giving thanks in difficult circumstances. Because remember, it says in all circumstances. But can I quickly clarify something for us here? It said, give thanks in all circumstances. You know what it didn't say? It didn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. It says, give thanks in all, but not for all. What's the key difference? What's the key difference? Because God isn't saying, he's not saying the cancer diagnosis, thank God for the cancer diagnosis. No. He's not saying thank God for the fact that you lost your job. No. He's not saying thank God that you failed the exam. No. He's saying thank God in all. There's a prophet called Habakkuk. Habakkuk was prophesying in a time in transition between the Assyrian conquering of Israel and then the Babylonians. And he already saw what Babylon was going to do. You see, on account of the fact that Assyria was a wicked nation that punished, God, that punished God's people, like, why should we be punished by a nation more wicked than us? And so he has a series of laments with God, and God keeps responding. Habakkuk 1, Habakkuk 2, and Habakkuk 3. And at the end of Habakkuk, it ends with a song. A song where at this point, after he has listened to all God has said to his laments, 
He's comforted. And so he paints a picture. A picture of utter devastation. A picture of utter ruin. And he says, if this thing happens, what will I do? So he says this in Habakkuk 3, verse 17. Here's the picture. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, don't go yet. Don't go there. There is a thing he's going to say. The first word of the next verse is really important. He says, in all of these things, I make a transition. It comes with a word. A three-letter word. Somebody say, yet. Somebody say, yet. Despite all of these things, there is a yet for the people of God. He says, yet I will rejoice. Now again, remember what I said. You can't just rejoice for the bad things. You can't just rejoice for all the difficult things. No. He says rejoice. But rejoice in what? He tells you. I will rejoice in the Lord. You know why? Because good circumstances can change and become bad circumstances. If your rejoicing has something to do with your circumstances, it will go up and down. But if your rejoicing has something to do with the God who changeth not, who is always good, then your rejoicing will be stable. He says, fix your eyes on the thing that is stable and you always rejoice in the Lord. Now sometimes that is difficult for us to pray. It's difficult. And we are going through very difficult things. It's hard to pray. And sometimes it feels that because we are not praying, it's as though we have lost our faith. We are no longer Christians. But that's why you must understand. If you read 1 Corinthians 14, you find out that prayer, prayer comes with words that we say, but prayer can come also with words that we sing. And so the songwriter says, And though I have lost my faith, I must confess right now that it's hard for me to pray. But I don't know what to say and I don't know where to start. But he always gives grace. But as you give the grace with all that's in my heart I will sing Not just in the good times, but in dark times. Even in my darkest hour, through the sorrow and the Even if the victory does not blossom. Even if there are no fruit on the vine. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Lift my hands to honor you. Because your word is true. I will sing. Lord, it's hard for me to see all the thoughts and plans you have for me. But there are many. They are good towards us. But yet, what will we do? But I will put my trust in you. Oh, Jesus died for you. Your assurance is in the cross and in the resurrection. It's not changing. So even if you are perplexed and you don't know what to say, but I don't know what to 
You don't even know where to start with your prayers. But He always supplies grace. He always supplies grace. And so out of the depths of our hearts, you will lift up a sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. I will pray. In our darkness, even in my darkest hour, to the sorrow and the pain. Come on, sing it one more time. I will sing. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. 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 Father, you are good. You see, there's a way you can say something and you know it's not coming from the depth of your heart. No, appreciation is a prayer that comes from a deep and meaningful place that must be rooted in acknowledged truth. A deep place from your heart. It must be meaningful. So when you are saying something, it means something. The only way it can mean something is that you acknowledge what God has done. It's not just by saying, God, you are good. You see, that is how the psalmist starts in Psalm 107. He says, praise, he said, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Now, that may be a theological statement. Let's go back. It may be a theological statement, but it must be rooted in something. It must be rooted in something. There must be evidence. God always gives evidence of his goodness in your life. And as God has worked over and over in your life, it starts to create a story. The story of your life as you interact with God. And that's why it then says that the people of God, whom he has given a story, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. There is a story you have to tell. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Verse 3. He then said, those he gathered from the land, from the east and west, from north and south. Listen, I have a story and you have a story. Can I tell you about somebody that had a story? His name was David. David at some point, we see in 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 40 to 15. They said that he's dancing before the ark of God. He's dancing with all of his might. He's dancing like this, like that in a way that kings don't dance. And so at some point, his wife, who was the daughter of the previous king, she saw him. How can this man be dancing like this? It's he said that she dis he despised him in her heart. And so eventually she went to meet David. And she said, when David returned home ble and bled to bless his house, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, Now, wow, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of all the slave girls and all his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David then said, ah, you don't understand. The reason I'm doing this, I have a story to tell. Let me tell you a bit about that story. Let me tell you about your father. You said, you see, there was a time that your father was chasing me up and down the place. But there was a God that helped me. When I was in the cave of Adullam, there was a God that helped me. When I was running away and I, he came to attack me, not once, not twice, not three times, there was a God that was with me. When he threw a spear against me and he missed, there was a God that was with me. So it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel it is that God he said she said he said you think I was undignified I have not even started I will celebrate before the Lord 
I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Listen. Listen. Many of us think this. That when David danced, it's because David could dance. It's not about dancing. The Bible never tells us that David was as good a dancer as he was a songwriter. Listen, when I come, it's not like I can dance. So I, but I love to dance because you are not there when God was with me. So he says I will be more undignified than this. Some of us are too careful about how we look in church. But maybe it's because you've not thought about the experience that God has taken you through. And because of this, here's another benefit. It led to two different destinies. You see, Michal, her eyes had become blinded. This woman never watched she was the daughter of a king and she was the wife of a king. Ah! Imagine your father was gone and your husband is President Tunubu. Baby girl for life. And she had forgotten about that. She was just seeing that, hey, my father has been taken away. Look at what this guy is doing. And so sometimes somebody's dancing, somebody's blasting the talk, somebody's on fire. Like, what's wrong with these people? What's wrong with these people? And so, as a result of that, God said, this is the way you choose to dishonor me. I will cease my blessing from your life. He said after that, she never had any child again. He closed her womb. But for David. Uh -uh. Listen, let me tell you a secret. Thanksgiving. Don't go into Thanksgiving for this. But whenever you go into Thanksgiving for what God has done, that God that gave it to you, there's more from where that came from. Do you remember that the leper that returned, the leper that returned went to give thanks. He got more than all the others got. The others got physical healing, but he got spiritual healing as well. And so when David went in thanksgiving, now he now says, God sent a prophet. Look at what he says in 2 Samuel 7. He said, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Verse 17. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Do you know that there is a way, there is a way God can bless you, eh? That after you just say, God, it's too much. He said, who am I? Who am I and who is my family? I pray for somebody today that as we give thanks to God, you will receive a who am I blessing today. He says, who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you brought me this far? At some point, he could not give thanks again. So in verses 19, he said, what more can David say unto you? He just started to adore. He just started to praise. Because we say, Baba Esheo, Esheo, Esheo. That this is not just an ordinary song. No, it is the story of my days. It is the story of my days. Esheo, 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 Esheo. Let's sing them to the Lord. You may sing or you may just give thanks to the Lord. like I don't have the things to say but you see there's a way thanksgiving creates an atmosphere that begets more thanksgiving sometimes we don't know what to say but let me tell you if you can program yourself to just think the songwriter hymn writer says count your blessings name them one by one you know what happens when you start to count your blessings you count four as you get to the third one another four comes as you get to the third one to the fourth third one again another six comes after a while 
your mouth is full of prison. So when I was writing for this sermon, I said, let me try that experiment. And this happened just spontaneously. I said, let me thank God for the things that God has done for me. Perhaps you can follow me and maybe this will inspire you. Because let me tell you, this person you are seeing, I have a story to tell. Oh, this is the story I want to tell. I said, I thank you, God, that a previously self-absorbed sinner was saved by his grace to now tell God's people about his grace. I thank you for my wife. She is the best, the absolute best. I thank you, God, for the joy my kids give me. I thank you for my parents and my parents-in-law. They are still alive. I thank God for my siblings and their spouses. They are alive. I thank God for my siblings-in-law. They are alive. I thank God I did not die in 2006 in a terrible car accident where the car somersaulted four times. I thank God I have survived cerebral malaria twice, which meant I had 25% of survival. I thank God that my wife and I can provide for my family. I thank God for tea. I thank God for my education. I thank God for my friends. I thank God for my close friends who treat me better than I deserve. I thank God for you, City Church, the best congregation in the entire world. I thank God for your growth spiritually. I thank God for my staff. I thank God for my improved health. I thank God I still have hopes and dreams. I thank God for those who pray for me. I thank God for those who are forgiving me. I thank God for Jesus. Oh, I thank God for Jesus. I thank God for Jesus. Open up your mouth and give him thanks. Oh, there's a story that you have to tell. There's a story that you have to tell. There's a, there's a story that you have to tell. Just give him. There's a welling up. There's a welling up. There's a welling up. Oh, whoever comes to him does not go back empty hand. Yes, Lord. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Tell him why you are thankful. Tell him why you are thankful. You have a reason to pray the Lord. one more benefit of thanksgiving in the prayer. You see, ah, this week, last week was stunning. You might not say a bit of it. You know, one of the things we don't do much in this church and we are trying to think about it, but because we are trying to avoid certain things, we don't want to abuse, but it's not that there are no testimonies going on. No. There are testimonies. Last week we asked God, we said, God, can you, we want to see in the prayer week, but also in the worship event. How many of us were at the worship event? How many of us felt the presence of God? On Friday morning, I got a text message from one of us here. I won't call the name. And the person said, during the worship event, whilst there was praying for healing, that not, whilst the, the worship was going on, don't play with the presence of God though. You see, there are things that happen in the presence of God you can't explain. If you have baked it in prayer, you come in. So, this person said, when everybody was jumping, that the person really wanted to jump, but they couldn't jump, but couldn't go all around because since March, they've been having chronic knee pains. So they can't just do like that, like everybody was doing. So they were just rejoicing, rejoicing. There was prayers for healing, all of those things. That was Wednesday night. Thursday morning, the person said they woke up. And you know how, when you have, when you have some of you may not know this, but if you know, if you have almost a permanent pain, you know what it is to live with the pain. So when the pain is not there, all of a sudden, you know the pain is not there. The person woke up and ah. What's wrong with this knee? What's wrong with ah? But I said, I don't know, I don't know, I'm, ah, I don't know. The person went for their exercises. 
And when the person went for the exercise again, and they were doing exercise, they couldn't really do, ah, this thing is not, so you know what the person did? And he's right, let me give you 24 hours before I say anything. So the person gave 24 hours, he woke up on Friday morning, the person said, ah, no, this one, God has healed me, I'm not going to allow the enemy to take it away. So the person now called, sent me a voice note and said this, I've heard of other things, if I tell you some of the prophetic words we received, Right, there was a vision that was that was shared two weeks ago, and then the vision was still mysterious. I was still looking for the interpretation, and then God gave the second part of the vision. It's an ask. If that vision is true, and I believe it's true, then things are going to change for us in this house in another way. So, so God has been good to us. But now, let me tell you this: there's something about being on the Lord's side when we praise, and it's this that God. There is a warfare dimension to this, to thanking God. You know how? Give me Isaiah 60 verse 18. Isaiah 60 verse 18 says this. Isaiah 60 verse 18. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders. Why? Why? There are two things that will happen. Why? It says you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Before you shout amen, that doesn't make sense. Because praise and salvation... Who is doing the praise? What salvation? It's just is abstract. Now, the thing you have to understand is that walls and gates were fortified things. They help people defend against the enemies. So it says that your gates will be called praise, your walls, salvation. It still doesn't make sense. Praise, salvation. But if you want to understand it, you must then read the book of Isaiah again, but Isaiah chapter 12. Because when we sing the next song, I want you to imagine what God is doing for you. He says, in that day, I will praise. So now we understand that the praise is not just an abstract thing. It is we that are doing the praise. I will praise. Amen. Say, I will praise. Now verse 2 then says this. Listen. Surely it is not just salvation, but God is my salvation. And on account of that, I will trust and not be afraid. Why? The Lord. When he gives you a second thing, then you know that it is sure. The Lord himself is my strength. And he is the one that is my defense and has become my... In other words, when you praise, it is God that becomes your defense and your salvation. In other words, God is always there, but there's a way praise activates it and makes it more subjective. And so here's what happens. When you praise with joy, joy becomes like a, a, a bucket that you use to fetch from the well. What is the well? He says, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Jesus told the woman at the well, he said that if you come and drink from the water I have, that it is a water that is welling up to eternal life. And so I want somebody here who is on the Lord's side to say that forever he is good. And if you see that, you will see that the enemies will bow. As you praise the Lord, use your joy to draw water out of the wells of salvation. The enemies will bow forever. The Lord is good. Forever the Lord is good.
to David. The Lord will fill your house with glory. I say in the name of Jesus, every enemy within and without that is opposing the will of God in your life, as you have raised a praise to God today, they will see that the Lord is your defense. They will see that the Lord is your salvation and the enemies will bow. Why do I know this? Because Jesus is that salvation. And it says that the name of the Lord Jesus, every knee will confess and every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I place the name of Jesus upon you this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you that in our words and in our songs that we have come, we are the ones that returned. You will not find in this house somebody that does not return. Lord, we thank you because we know that you have been so good to us. We can. There are 10,000 reasons for our heart to find to be able to give you praise. And there are 10,000 tongues we think, wish we had to be able to give you praise. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Thank you, O oh God, that anxiety is taken away from our midst. Because Jesus was with us in the past, he will be with us in the future. We give you praise. We take, O oh Lord, this thanksgiving heart into our week, asking, O oh God, that you bless us thoroughly in the way you've blessed us before. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you found this sermon helpful, we hope you join us in the mission of renewing Lagos with the gospel by sharing it, rating this podcast, and following us. These actions help us reach more people with the gospel. You can also connect with us on various social media platforms via the handle at City Church Lagos. City Church. Love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.